I'm a person that pursues knowledge. I mean, I love to learn things, right? I started posting DaVinci Resolve tutorials on color grading. I didn't do it for any reason. I think I just wanted to do it for fun. So I started posting four videos a week and it quickly grew. I have not missed an upload in two years. So it's 208 videos not missing an upload. So to me, consistency is key. I want to produce the best experience for motion designers and video editors. You have a style that no one else can replicate. You get to dictate what your price is going to be if people are interested in what you create. So what methods can you implement into your work that is going to make you stand out? Me getting into film was something I didn't really choose. I kind of just rolled into it. So my entire path started back when I was a young teenager, 13 years old, uh, playing you know, a simple video game called Call of Duty. And I was exceptionally somehow really good at it. I didn't even play that much when I first started, but someone suggested I should start recording and uploading these gameplay montages. And that's exactly what I did. I got a capture card device and I started you know, recording my gameplay and uploading to YouTube. And a community started to form around gaming, and this was barely new back in 2007, 2008. And, you know, people were bringing in some really cool edits into their videos, and I really wanted to learn how to do that. So I downloaded, you know, Adobe After Effects and started learning, you know, VFX and motion graphics to implement that into my projects. So then when I moved over to high school, you know, when I graduated towards high school, I got into TV production and I was able to implement those skills that I learned from, you know, game, gaming editing uh, and put it into, you know, VFX for short film content. Um, and that got me into actually making short films and filming and having to learn all these new skills. Uh, so by the time I graduated from high school, I decided that I definitely want to film, uh, pursue film, but also I had the opportunity to film a handful of different client projects right away, you know, through motion graphic projects and also, uh, you know, video production clients that I had to, you know, produce. So that's kind of how it rolled in over that. I've always loved creating content uh, and specifically telling, you know, stories with film. Um, of course, you know, you do uh, what you have to as you graduate college and, you know, you do what uh, makes most sense financially, I guess, as well. When you were doing those esports videos, you had one video, I think it's Call of Duty, where you had like 84 kills in a row. <laughs> wow, that's incredible that and you that video got that. like 100,000 100, 100, views plus. So what, what was that like, building a, an esports channel way before it was cool? That was like 14 years ago, right? Uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, I mean, first of all, I'm going to say how impressed I am for you finding that video. That's crazy. Um, I, I still remember it was yesterday I got that because that was a big deal, that one specific gameplay. Um, but with that said, when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, that's when I guess the timeline that I was doing this, you don't know, like at that young, you don't actually know how big this could have been, especially back then. There really wasn't a massive community around this. There really wasn't a way to make money or anything. Um, and the only way, I think the only way you could make money back then was with a machinima contract. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. You, MCN. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, but as a young kid, you don't see the how big this could have been. Yeah. Um, I was just doing it because I enjoyed it. I had a great time. But if I would have known and, you know, what I know now, I probably would have stuck with it a little bit longer at least. But the thing is, I realized, like, that's not truly what I want to do with my life, sit around and play video games. Nothing wrong with that if you're you know, making money and, you know, you're producing great content. Um, but it's not, I, I think I, one thing I realized is that it's, it's very hard to sustain that because one, you, you're reliant on the game and games constantly become like outdated. The new version, yeah. the next game comes on or the next big thing like Fortnite or whatever is coming along. And then you have to constantly be playing to be good at that game. Uh, and then you also have to be consistent with producing content that's not something I wanted to do uh, when I was that young, but knowing what I know now and seeing that some of the people that I played with are actually, you know, have millions of subscribers, um, you know, maybe I would have done things differently, but at the same time, I'm very happy how things turned out. So, yeah, when I was that young, I had no idea what I was doing or understood the, what could, the, you know, what the potential could have been. Tell me about those guys that, that are now, that you once played with. What are their careers like? Yeah, I mean, I know they don't play Call of Duty. Um, <laughs> I know they probably play more like Minecraft. Um, oh, really? And I, I guess they upload. Yeah, I don't watch their. I don't watch any 
gaming content anymore. So I don't know what they're doing specifically. I just knew the last time I looked at them, you know, they had several, you know, they were very, they were really popping off with their viewership and all that. How involved do they get in the actual production of the videos? Is it more live stream focus or are they doing some pretty sophisticated post work? So, I mean, it depends on what time frame we're talking about. Today, everyone seems like they stream, right? And I, my expertise in that is I don't do it, so I don't really know. But back when I was young, 15 years old, I mean, people, the montage was the thing. Nowadays, it's the gameplay commentary that you just record it live through a stream and you post it and it's kind of done, which is very smart. Um, but back when I was doing it, like, it was all about how good is your montage? Is it very well edited? Does it have this awesome soundtrack to it? How's the gameplay? Um, and that was the loop that I was kind of stuck in. And if I was more into the gameplay commentary, I probably probably wouldn't have you know, moved on because when you're creating this highly edited montage that requires great gameplay clips, it takes several months to record it. And then you have to have the skills to actually edit it or get someone to edit it. So it takes months to produce this one video. So that's my experience. Uh, but today, I, obviously we see people live stream and they just post their clip onto YouTube when they streamed it on Twitch or whatever it may be. When did you shift to teaching After Effects specifically? So you took that pause from uh, gaming, then what? So you got to fast forward several years of my life here. Um, I was doing client projects, but I also was doing, I also loved color grading. I started posting DaVinci Resolve tutorials on color grading. And I, I wasn't that's, doing it because that's I... That's where it started. Yeah, so I, was, I didn't do it to make a YouTube channel. I just wanted to just shared this information that I had learned from color grading. Cool. Um, I didn't do it for any reason. I think I just wanted to do it for fun, to be honest with you, uh, when I first started. And so I, for the first two years, I just posted maybe one video a month, not taking it seriously, just, hey, I want to put something out there. I'm bored. I think this might be fun. And then after doing a, you know, after having a lot of experience doing client work, um, you know, and I think at that time when I made the transition over to doing tutorials, I think we had 5,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. So from doing client work, I learned that I don't love really working with clients, to be honest with you. Um, you know, everyone has their own needs. Every job is different. And one thing I was constantly was doing was, you know, working for clients rather than also building my business. Um, and I, I really wanted a business to some, some, I really wanted a business that I could focus on for myself rather than focusing on someone else's business. So I had 5,000 subscribers. I had some really bad experience with client work. Very unlucky. It's probably not, you know, it's probably not in everyone's situation, but uh, I realized I was given this an opportunity. So I started posting four videos a week and it quickly grew, uh, you know, cr teaching After Effects content at that time. So what, what happened? With the client projects. Oh, so what was that bad experience? I'm a person that pursues knowledge. I mean, I love to learn things, right? So I was learning website design. I was learning, you know, graphic design and everything that you can know for creating content from digital creation. So that's websites, video production, motion graphics, graphic design. And I had some very rough clients. Um, and I was actually kind of, I designed a website for a client and they were nightmarish, right? Like I probably undercharged them, but I was also afraid uh, that they were going to sue me at one point. Wow! Like when you hire someone to design a website, uh, especially something that for an e-commerce site, you know, you create the website, but you, you need to hire them also for ongoing maintenance because things are changing. You're uploading products and there's things that can go wrong and they didn't want to do that. They expected me to just create this website and that was it. And then any bugs that they had moving forward, you know, several months moving forward, just, hey, I, we already paid you, go fix this. I'm like, yeah, but this is what happens when you're updating things on your own. Things can break and they don't want to do that. And, you know, they were blaming me for them losing money. But I'm like, here, I'm willing to help you. But it was my job just to create this website. But you guys are doing things that is not my problem, you know, so... They thought you were their indentured servant that was just going to be around for yeah. forever fixing things. As it's, It was my fault. I mean, I definitely put myself in that situation, um, definitely much younger, but also a handful of other things. I mean, one thing that, uh, you know, one thing I was very passionate about was really video production and shooting projects. That's really what I wanted to do. Um, but 
when you try to be like a jack of all trades and you try to do a bunch of everything, uh, you don't really focus on those things. So I'm like, you know, I need to just focus on something that I control my business. I want to be able to provide more value into what I'm working on uh, rather than, you know, working a bunch of people's different businesses and, you know, not being fully happy with everything. So, yeah, so that was my entire reason for, I guess, moving forward. Um, How did you decide that After Effects was that thing that you were going to focus on? And, and by the way, I think that's one of the most important lessons I've learned and continue to learn, the important of, importance of focus, <laughs> not trying to do too many things and, and being really a master uh, in one discipline, which you've, you've done and, and more with After Effects. After Effects was definitely my strongest skill set um, at that time when I decided that we're going to make After Effects motion graphic tutorials. Um, I had the intention of implementing filmmaking and cinematography tutorials, but the reason why we stuck with After Effects was because YouTube, you know, it doesn't really, you don't really know if YouTube what content is going to do well. So my entire strategy is to put as much content there, content out there as possible. So After Effects tutorials are just, I wouldn't say the easiest, but they're definitely, they take the least amount of time to create when you're talking about relating it comparing it to like filmmaking tutorials. So like I could produce an After Effects tutorial within a day. Um, but with a filmmaking tutorial, which is also I want to do, that can take like a week to do. And the After Effects tutorials were also just performing better. Um, and you don't know what videos can perform well. So it's really good to just put as much content out there as possible. Uh, and you're more likely going to have a video that's going to do really well when you're posting, you know, three to four videos a week versus one video a week because that one video a week can totally flop and can kill your momentum. What are the common themes you've noticed of your videos that do surprisingly well? What have you learned about popularity for certain topics? When I make videos that are similar to something else that I've been created, they tend to not do as well. So like, for example, I was probably the very first creator to do like top 10 effects in After Effects and top 10 plugins in After Effects. And those videos got over a million views. But now almost everyone in this niche is doing those videos and not even I have recreated those videos. And none, none of those other creators or me have outviewed those first you know top 10 effects or top 10 plugin videos. So yeah, I mean, and I, and I since I do you know 104 videos a year, I do end up trying to recycle some ideas, and those recycled ideas never really do as well as the original idea. Um, so it's really about owning the keyword. Ah, interesting. Having the best video out there that's going to keep people engaged, um, and typically, since you're the first one to it, uh, it already has your video already has all those metrics, and YouTube knows that the people have been watching this. Here's the watch time. It's automatically going to rank higher than the person who's kind of copying the idea, right? So how do you pick your topics? Do you brainstorm as you go through your day? Do you just write down ideas that, that might be interesting? And then how do you narrow that down to what you'll actually produce? It's a great question. I don't have a great format question for you. So this is what I do. I have a schedule and I stick to it. I do not miss an upload date. I have not missed. So we post, we post two videos a week. Uh, I have not missed an upload in two years. So that's 208 videos, not missing an upload. That's wild. Um, so to me, consistency is key. Yeah. It doesn't matter if if you can't come up with ideas. You're going to have to figure out. So what I do is like, okay, you know, it's two days before we have to release a tutorial. I'm going to sit down for how many hours. I'm going to search what idea I want to do. And, you know, I use, you know, I sometimes do like research, keyword research on what should be done. Uh, but at the end of the day, because I have to be consistent, I don't have all the time in the world to find the perfect idea. So what I'm going to do is if I, I'm going to search on the internet, I'm gonna look through my work, I'm gonna, you know, just get some ideas, you know, looking through Instagram, looking at people's motion graphics. And once I find an idea that like, I like that idea, I know I can pull it off, I go with it. Uh, so I usually spend a couple hours at most, sometimes 30 minutes, it depends on the day. And once I find an idea, I go with it. I don't overthink it, I just do it. Yep. Um, so that's the entire. I like that uh, theme of your YouTube channel is that it's, you're straight to the point. Uh, a lot of tutorial videos, they'll spend a few minutes talking about other things and you're like, I need this information. When does the information start? Yours literally begin immediately, which I think people probably really appreciate. I try to keep that theme up. I think we have, have lost some of that aspect because we've, when I first started the channel um, or first started creating tutorials, 
we didn't go on camera at all. Um, I didn't go on camera at all. Um, and then it was all about the screen. We just got going. But now we get on camera and we usually say, hey, this video is about this. If you want to improve your work, blah, 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 right? Um, but yeah, we are straight to the point because I, when I was learning this software, After Effects, all the stuff when I was a teenager, yeah, people would spend a couple of minutes talking about how they were they had a cold and they had explained <laughs> that. I'm like, this is evergreen content. So people who don't know you are going to be... We don't need to know about the cold. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it sucks that you're sick, okay? It's fine. But um, people five years from now probably are, who don't know you don't care that you were sick. They are there to find, to digest the information that they're looking for. So my entire strategy is SEO based. So I have to assume that nobody, the people watching the video at first don't know who I am. They're not going to care who I am. They're only there to find this piece of information. Uh, so I want to deliver them as fast as possible. So they're not clicking off. They're not frustrated. And I can provide them the value that they need. So then they can, you know, like the brand that we're building. So that's my entire strategy. What tools do you use for SEO research? How do you know which keywords are going to perform? Um, I have like keywords everywhere. Um, do I do much SEO research? No. At the end of the day, my entire thing is consistency. So um, I create the content and then I form the best performing words around that title and what that tutorial is about. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm creating After Effects content. I've done every topic, basically. Um, at the end of the day, I'm more focused on watch time um, and producing something of value. What is a good runtime for a video in your experience? What do you target? I do not like doing longer videos. I try to keep everything under 10 minutes, roughly around that. So, um, yeah, because I want to get straight to the point. I don't want to create a 20-minute tutorial. People want to just learn it as fast as possible, especially in a world where, like, there's so much content out there and people – you know, can spend their time doing other things. My goal is to teach it to them as fast as possible. Um, also, you know, since we're doing two a week, we can't do like a 30 minute video because at that point it could take several days to create that. Whereas a 10 minute video can take us one day to do. So my entire thing is just making sure we are consistent um, and we teach straight to the point and we find that under 10 minutes is usually the sweet spot. Awesome. What, what was the first uh, template that you sold and how did you get into that business? It, it looks like a, a big business. You, Thousands of templates, subscription plan, all sorts of different uh, target audiences, even a wedding pack, but tons of transitions. You have one that's just black. They're, and they're the site is beautiful. Each one you know, makes you really want to explore what's possible with all these templates. So it's clear that you've spent years you know, building that out. But how did you get there and what was the first step? It's a little bit of a long story. Um, so when I created the channel, I had no intention... I knew that I wanted to do something kind of businessy around it, but I, I had no idea what it was going to be. And I had the opportunity to be an affiliate marketer uh, for some other websites that were selling templates. Uh, you know, after a year or so doing content consistently on YouTube, and I saw that you know the stuff was selling pretty well, but I wasn't really happy with the commissions or I didn't have any you know control over like any of the business models of pricing or how did that work? The affiliate marketing. So you would basically put a link to someone else's. Template yeah. at the bottom. So yeah, yeah, affiliate marketing works. Yeah, they you pick a product on their website and you get a tracking link and you put it on the video description or video. And some clicks on it, you get a well. When they buy from that clicking on your link, you get a commission uh, off of that. And what was that commission like at that time that you weren't happy with? So it really wasn't the percentage; it was the rules of how it kind of worked out. So like for example, I want to get paid if they were a repeat customer and. That was also an issue. Yeah, I mean, the percentage was decent enough for me, but at the end of the day, like, it was a big brand, and I knew I was referring a lot of repeat customers to them. Um, and also, I, you, I really wanted to have a business, and when you're an affiliate, I don't believe you have a business, right? Because you can't control pricing, you don't control the product, um, and it made more sense to me because I wanted to have a business. More of a spokesperson or, or like a sales rep for that. For that seller. I didn't want my income to be dependent on one source because selling templates was the highest, was my um, you know biggest bulk of my income. The YouTube ad revenue is relatively not high in the tutorial niche. Uh, so I didn't want one day, like, we're going to cut your percentage in half, which, by the way, they did uh, after, I mean, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I made that decision. <laughs> so, but I had already switched over to selling my own templates before they cut it. So they could have cut it because like, they saw me in competition, but... 
I don't think that was also the reason. I mean, the, per- the person that you had in contact with could have just quit. Uh, and then a new person is like, why is this guy getting paid this much? Let's cut it in half. So I saw that coming. I'm like, I'm not going to put my entire future on one business because that's me working for like a client again. I didn't want that. At that point, was that revenue both from the uh, affiliate marketing and then from your own templates bigger than your client revenue? So was that your uh, strong enough that you could focus exclusively on that if you wanted to? I haven't, so I don't do client work anymore. And back then when I started making uh, affiliate income, then I was like, okay, I have no reason to do client work anymore. I'm just going to focus on this content and at least be able to have some level of free time or at least be able to read books and learn and do this sort of thing. So yeah, um, yeah, the ad revenue back then, yeah, I was still heavily you know, freelancing uh, and doing other projects. But once uh, I started selling templates, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to just focus on this. There's so much potential here. Uh, and also because I was able to focus more on my channel, that's when I would say we started consistently getting over 1 million video views a month and over 10,000 new subscribers a month. So because I had made that shift in focus, I was able to, I think, produce better content as well. The way I, I view that transition from client work to creating your own product and, and selling it uh, direct to consumer is that takes a lot longer building something, building an audience, building products that, that you can sell. But when you get there, uh, the revenue is generally greater and it, it's less demand on your time. Would you say that the client work was sort of the necessary support that you needed? Was the revenue that let you build these products, build this audience so that you could make that transition? It really was the affiliate income that allowed me to build our own products. Um, so I didn't have time to actually be the one only creating the product. So I had to be able to hire other people to part of my team to create the templates uh, as now we have people that create these templates. Now I don't actually create any more templates because I'm focused on running the business as a whole and still making sure we're creating YouTube content. That's my big focus. So uh, now I'm like, hey, this is a project we're doing. You know, or we work as a team and it's like, this is what needs to get done. Yeah, I mean, at that time when before, when we started creating templates, I was already doing YouTube full-time, I wasn't doing any more client work, um, so. Tell me about how you've built this team, how you found these, the, the right template designers. Do you choose the templates that they're gonna work on? We have some ongoing projects and I'm just like, hey, uh, within my internal team here in, uh, you know, in our city, uh, we like, hey, what do you guys wanna work on? Here's some ideas, let's do this project. And usually those are smaller templates. And then uh, we, I have uh, contacts that live across the world and I'm like, there are already template creators. And I'm like, okay, whatever you, you create, whatever you want, as long as good, I will pay <laughs> you for it and we'll yeah. sell it. So that, that's how that kind of works. So I have, yeah, it's a way f- for us so I can have people produce the best work that they want to do. And then we have a team here that's like, we can't produce as many because, because I'm having you do a bunch of different things, but you know, let's create something that yeah. we need. So what's the future of your template business? So when did you launch the subscription? How is that performing? How do you limit people from, so, you know, they'll see the, this bulk pack uh, for a couple hundred dollars with thousands of templates. Then they'll see this $18 a month uh, subscription and maybe are tempted to say, I'm going to go in there and download everything. How do you moderate that? We launched the subscription uh, back at the end of March. So it's only been there for a few months. The reason why we started the subscription is because we're constantly adding in new packs, new templates, adding thousands of new templates almost every single month. And people, and we had all the, we had the bundle deals where you could buy everything we have at like, you know, a 50, 60, 70% discount. Um, and one thing we saw that is as we're adding more packs, uh, people were like, hey, you know, can you give me a discount so I can upgrade or, um, you know, they were missing out on all this other content. So they had to spend, you know, the full price to buy the single pack rather than saving money on the bundle. So I'm like, it probably just makes sense just to have a subscription to where people that want all of our future contents, uh, and all of our past content, they can just describe at a, you know, what I'm considering like what cost, you know, for one lunch, you know, out a month, uh, for 18 bucks, they can describe and get everything we post in the future and everything we currently have. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so I'm trying to cater to people that want to own the product, but also, you know, care about having as much assets as possible without, you know, having to buy the single packs if they buy a bundle in the future, if that makes any sense. Absolutely does. Again, how do you stop people from taking advantage of that and saying, I'm going to get everything for one month? 
you don't download any of this to your you don't download the individual templates to your computer, right? So you can import it. How it works? You can download a pack into After Effects or Premiere Pro, and in that pack you might have a thousand plus templates, right? Uh, out of all the packs that we have, we have you know I think currently twelve thousand plus templates. Wow! And so if they unsubscribe, they lose access to all those packs, right? But they don't lose access to the templates they imported in the project file. But you can't realistically import all those templates into a project file. So I'm not so worried about that. Because if you try to import all these templates in a project file, I mean, it's going to take time. Our big feature isn't so much the templates. It's the previewable extension window. So unlike other templates websites where you have to go onto their website, you have to watch the promo, uh, then you have to download it, you have to unzip the file, and then you have to import it into your project. And it might not be the right template for your project after you realize it. Anyone who works with music knows this. Like you might download a song for your project. It doesn't fit into your edit when you thought it was going to work. So you have to download it again, unzip the file. Same thing with templates. With our product, you have this extension with all the templates in it. So you can preview it inside of After Effects and Premiere Pro. You apply it into your project. If it wasn't the right fit for it, you delete it and you import another project, another template into your project. So... So it's the extension window, which is really the main product. That's that's cool. And how will you uh, evolve the offering? What what templates will you add additional softwares uh, as time passes? Yeah, so I'm focused on making sure that we create templates that fit every single need and making sure we have every style and type of genre of templates, if you will. You know, we do have plans on to moving into other applications. So... Right now, we're only Adfix and Premiere Pro, but our extension is built for Photoshop and Illustrator. Uh, that's uh, something I want to hit, but really right now, I want to produce the best experience for motion designers and video editors. So I'm really most focused on that experience. And since we just launched Scription a few months ago, uh, I don't want to go full out at the moment until maybe a couple, like, until like a year has passed, because I want to make sure that if there's any Bugs, we get that fixed. I want to make sure that this thing, entire thing is tailored to produce a great customer experience. Uh, but we do have some plans to move on to other software and add, obviously, more templates. That, that's great. I want to come back to the subscription uh, in a moment. But on the topic of software, what's coming up right now? How do you feel about DaVinci? How do you feel about uh, some of the other free software out there, Blender, Unity? Could it, can that be relevant in the types of uh, animation that you're teaching or, or not? I first of all love when something else comes to the market that's a game changer. Uh, I'm all for you know better software, making it more accessible to people because it's free. I'm all for that. And I, I, I want things to be better. Like, I'm all good. If, if, some, if some software comes and knocks out Adobe, I'm all for it. That means we'll just switch over to that, make that change over time. Um, and we get to reproduce all of our YouTube content. More content. It's great. We're just yeah. doing that software. As a creator, as a, you know, I don't consider myself an artist, but let's just say that's the term I'm going to use, right? I'm not so much obsessed with the tools. I'm more obsessed with the trends in the, in the craft rather than the individual tools. Because in day, uh, you know, as a, as a filmmaker, for example, you know it's not the camera that produces a great image. It's the uh, team behind it. Right. So... For me, I'm always focused on what styles are being produced. And if there's a, spe a specific tool being used to create that, then that's when you want to learn that. But for me, you know, I'm mostly focused on 2D motion graphics. And outside of, you know, doing motion graphics, you know, I love cinematography. So I'm focused on just that specific part of that craft. So yeah. I don't have great insight on the new technology other than I'm totally for it. <laughs> what are the trends that you're seeing right now in, in 2D motion graphics? Yeah, a lot of uh, typography, texturing, definitely more movement towards 3D. But at the end of the day, uh, I think what's best for people is not just the trends, but as an individual creator, to form your own style and sticking with it, right? Because tr trends will constantly change. But, you know, as a creative, you want to do what you can to stand out. And if you're just like everyone else, you're not going to have much price negotiating power because if someone else can do what you can do, you know, then someone else is competing with your price. But if you have a style that no one else can replicate, 
you get to dictate what your price is going to be if people are interested in what you create. So what I talk about is don't be so focused on copying someone else. Do it to learn. That's fine. Uh, but in day, be focused on what individual methods can you implement into your work that is going to make you stand out. Uh, you know, what effects are the best, uh, you know, what, you know, what's your color palette look like? You know, what typography should you use? Think about these things and form your style and that will benefit you way more than any trend that's going on. So for those artists, those motion designers that are learning from you, learning from other creators, uh, developing their own style, what's the best way to transition that into a career? How do they get their work seen? What are the most exciting paths into getting traction for your animation work? That's a great question. It's an amazing question. Here's the thing. The reality of being a creative person is that there's two sides to making money, right? You have to have somewhat of a business mind and you also have somewhat of a creative mind. So what that means is I find a lot of people who are amazing at creating content at their craft. They're awesome, but they're not making that much money when they could be and vice versa. I see people who are really good at business that are not great creatively and they probably they more than likely hire other people to create the work for them. So as if you're the creative person uh, that's great at creating content, this is what you want to do. It's important just to read a couple of books on, you know, maybe business, um, you know, figure out what you want to do. First of all, establish, like, do you want to be an employee? Do you want to be a freelancer or do you want to run a business, right? Those are all three different things. Uh, if you want to be an employee, that's totally great. Build up your portfolio, get your portfolio website out there and apply to those jobs. If you want to be a freelancer, there's plenty of websites out there uh, that can help you. You know, you might want to establish yourself locally. Uh, you know, build up your portfolio, build out those gigs. If you're going to say Fiverr or whatever, you know, freelance website is best for you. Um, if you want to run a business, you're going to have to learn what it takes to build systems um, and, you know, execute those things. But at the same time, there's a balance that you're going to have to figure out as a creative. It's not just about creating great work. It's also about being able to market yourself. And you're going to have to learn some of those skills as well if you want to be successful as a creative person. Any books that you recommend or blogs you read or podcasts you listen to? I have to look back at the bookshelf there. Um, <laughs> I think Mastery from Robert mm. Greene is a great book. That's a, he's a heavy hitter. Yeah, the Millionaire Fast Lane is great. A good starter book if you want to do business as a I – mean, that can be implemented to anything. Probably go with Psychology Money is a great starter book if you want to learn about money. Um, I would say also .com Secrets 101 is great if you want to build your presence through marketing, through emails, uh, and understanding how to build a funnel as a creative. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a handful of books. I just don't want to get up and look at all of them and I'll top of my head. But Tell me about your funnel. How do you get people to your site? How do you get them to sign up? And what have you learned along the way designing that? I'm actually, uh, as a fun project, I am writing a small book on how I do this stuff. And I'm going to get that out uh, in the near future. But I follow... Oh, I would love to read that. I, well, thank you. I, I follow three things. All right. Free value, uh, great uh, product and great customer support. So my entire funnel starts off, uh, well, not the entire thing, but for the most part uh, is by providing free value. So through our YouTube videos, uh, we're able to build uh, a relationship with people that watch it and you know, watch our videos. Uh, they get to see the content. You know, we're not asking them for anything um, or, you know, they're not paying for anything to watch the content. Uh, they're able to learn and get value from the videos as I hope they are. Um, and as a result, uh, we, you know, we talk about some of the other products that we have that are also there to help, you know, save you time and produce awesome work. Uh, so as a result, we're able to uh, provide that free value, mention our product, people click on the link, and then we, you know, able to show them those products, whatever they want to click on, whatever it is. Uh, and then we get them in further into our funnel through, you know, retargeting. Uh, we also have a free packs. So we have several free packs where we you know, we have put them on our email list where we provide even more free value, but also offer several discounts every now and then to get them to uh, buy those products. When you're retargeting, are you showing them uh, display ads of templates that they looked at, or how do you? What do you? How are you doing that? I stick to one 
thing, right? Um, I want to just be focused on stuff on something that I know because everything always changes on these other platforms. Um, yeah, so you know, uh, we'll show them, you know, a template that they really like. We'll mention, hey, you can download this free pack you didn't buy. So here, try this out with a free pack that you probably didn't know about. So then you can try it. And also, here's the beauty of it. When you download the free pack, I mean, this is a be beauty from a business perspective. Let's just say that, okay? Um, when you download the free pack, inside of the extension window that we've talked about earlier, where you see all those templates, uh, they're able to see all the packs that we actually sell. And there's links right over that pack. So while they're editing an After Effects or Premiere Pro, yeah. they see our product. Oh, that's awesome. And hopefully they're using the free templates and they're helpful. So. Yeah. You built that extension window. You yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know anything about coding, so I had to outsource that. Um, and you know, he's I consider him a partner because you know he constantly updates it um, and he provides an amazing service. That's fantastic. Yeah. For the email list, so you're building, I imagine, a, a huge email list through all this free content, through the signups for the free templates, etc. How do you market to them? What what are you what are you putting in your newsletters, and how frequently are you? Sending them. Right. So uh, we have this automated list, right? So uh, in the list, uh, when you first join up, sign up, uh, you're going to get uh, an email every other day um, for several months uh, where we talk about how to get work yeah. uh, as a motion designer, as a video editor, really just as a creative in general, the advice can be applied to anyone. Oh, cool. You know, how to build, you know, what tips we have for building a portfolio. Um, you know, even specific motion graphic tips as well. So really the goal is to just provide value, not to sell to them initially. But, um, you know, we do run, uh, you know, consistent discounts on our products. So while you're getting these hopefully, you know, great value free emails, you know, you'll watch our content on YouTube uh, and see some of the other ads. Um, you know, a product that maybe you were interested in is now on sale for a limited time and maybe that will, hopefully that gets them to buy it, which, you know, it does perform so. I would really like to hear about your short films. Some of them, Wraith, I think you produce for fifteen hundred dollars in two days. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. Tell me about your uh, ongoing efforts to keep making really high quality short films, and uh, and why you do it. Filmmaking is what I truly enjoy doing. Um, I love it, uh, but also at the end of the day, um, it's not my business, right? I, you don't have, really have a way to make money doing it. Yeah. I, get it like you go to festivals and you get to meet people i don't that's not my strategy in life i want to build my own thing um so um i haven't made any short films and recently i'll get into that in a second uh but as far as you know when i make short films um you know i have a network of people that i'm able to tap into and be like hey you know let's work on this project um and i'm able to get people you know we get people excited about working on these things so we, we can you know kind of do this on the low budget side. And usually what we do is if we're filming in a house, we'll Airbnb a place for a couple of days and we'll film that project there or we'll go to get those locations. Uh, and, you know, we either outsource some of the post-production to our network or I do a lot of it because I enjoy it or whatever. But I really, my goal is I partner with someone who's also going to be uh, a co-producer, the same level of producing level as me. Um, so we have two of these networks put together uh, to produce these, you know, I guess low budget, but also trying to make it as high quality as possible film projects. But we do it for fun. I'm not doing it because I want to, because I care to make money off of it. I do it because I love doing it. Uh, so because I love doing it, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the point where we're going to start implementing some short film content into our marketing. So for example, I, I'm really much focused on business and I took a couple year break to make sure that we can start producing templates and building this entire program that we had, that we have, because I want to actually make short films that have a purpose other than fun or going to festivals. Uh, so uh, as we add more content, I will be producing some short films to promote that content, but also trying to produce something that's entertaining as well. On your channel, you're, you're going into some of the, the making of some of the color correction or some of the filmmaking technique that you used. Is that one way that you'll be producing, uh, or one, one motivation for making more short films is sort of letting, letting your audience go behind the scenes of the production and post. I love producing those type of, that type of content. Yeah. You know, the issue is it takes a long time, um, to do it. And yeah, at the end of the day, if I'm going to produce content, I don't want to do it for viewership. I want to just do it, um, 
because I think it's going to be a great piece of content um, and we can actually relate it to something that we're selling on our website. Um, so at the end, yeah, we'll, we'll produce BTS content uh, and showcase those techniques being used uh, in those videos. That's it's great. Do you see yourself producing a feature at some point? No, I don't think so. Not in the next 10 <laughs> years, no. It's a lot of work. Uh, it's also a massive risk. And I'm not the type of person that... I like to take calculated risk. And with the film industry, there's a lot of variables that you do not control. Um, and you have to... If you're going to make money, you're pro more than likely going to have to make some deals. Now, you can post it online and you know whatever, Amazon or whatever it may be, and uh, try to maximize how much money you make. But then you have the whole marketing factor. You have to... You would be responsible for marketing something that costs maybe twenty dollars, and using your own money. Um, you know that's that's a risk right there uh, because, you know, maybe if you know if you run ads, you know, like how much it can cost to make a conversion. Uh, I think something like that. There's no up sales. There's no bundles or anything there to increase your conversion. There's no really way to retain a customer. So I don't personally see the value in self marketing a film. Uh, so therefore, you have to go through the, the, the actual traditional distribution route. And then you have all these companies taking percentages and blah, 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 and all this bureaucracy and politics. And I'm not for that. I like just, I love freedom. I love being able to create what I want. And with films, I would like to do it where there's not a dollar sign back in my head that we have to recoup our costs. I get that. Tell me about the, the freedom that you have right now that, that you've created through this lifestyle. Well, I mean, simply I can do whatever I want, basically. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm very much involved in my YouTube channel, so... You know, I have to still give people what they want, but as far as uh, not having really, I mean, here's the thing, when you decide to not work for anyone and build your own business, that's a myth, first of all. Um, when you have thousands of customers, you now have thousands of bosses you just created for yourself. You serve them. So at the end of the day, I, my freedom is to just accomplish what I want to do, which is free value, great product, and great customer support. You know, that, that's my entire strategy. But yeah, I can do whatever I kind of want. But in the day, I do work for my customers, um, and they're my biggest concern. So if someone writes an email to me, I have to take care of that and serve that, right? So, uh, make sure their problem solved. But yeah, there isn't anybody that is dictating what I do at the end of the day, as far as like an individual, um, as a business, I can wake up and kind of do whatever. Um, having options is what creates freedom. What are your thoughts on the value of, of film school? A lot of people ask, is it worth it? Should I go to film school? You studied media. It was a uh, media production. Media production. Yeah, I went two years at Flagler College. What was the value of that experience? I'd love to hear about you know paying off that, that student loan, which was a lot lower than some of the other student loans that, that people uh, are settled with. And, and what advice do you have for people who are trying to learn as much as they can about filmmaking, about post-production, and, and just looking for the fastest way of, of creating a career? Look at how much it costs to get this degree and don't put yourself in a situation where you're not going to be able to pay it back with an entire manner. It's not worth going to, it's not worth paying 50 grand, 40 grand, whatever it may be a year to get a degree and something that you can learn online for free. If you're able to pursue an education, uh, you know, a college education in a creative field, not just filmmaking, any of it, and you can do it uh, without debt, you know, uh, I know that that's a challenging thing, but if you can do it where it, it's not going to be that bad, where it's reasonable, where you can pay it back within, you know, your first year's salary as a, with a job, then that's something. But if you're going to be loaded with $200,000 of debt or even, I would say, $50,000 of debt by the time you graduate, you're, you're really putting yourself in a very tough situation financially, even though as... As a young adult, especially me, when when I was college, like, yeah, dude, I'm gonna be a millionaire making films and stuff, you know, and it's no problem. It's a small investment. That's not a great reality to live in, or you know, great mindset to have. You need to be thinking about stuff financially. Uh, so at the end of the day, don't put yourself in a bad financial situation to get a piece of paper and thinking that you're gonna be able to pay it back in the first year, or you know, because at the end of the day, with interest rates. Uh, and then being able to pay for your cost of living is going to be incredibly challenging. It can take years, even decades, to make a decent income with the field of, folk, field of study that you went in for. 
Um, but with everything that you, you can learn everything creatively for free online, it'd be better to pursue that. And if you have to go to college, get a degree in something that will actually get you a job. A film degree doesn't actually get you a job unless maybe you're applying for some government position, you know, in, in the media, PR, whatever it may be. But no, not, I don't, I don't see an actual job that requires you to have, yeah, you do see the four-year degree, but specifically your portfolio is the reason why you're going to get a job, your portfolio and who you are as a person. Some opportunities may be off the table because you don't have a piece of paper, but you're going to have plenty of opportunities if you are great creatively, you have great you know, personal, you know, personality type skills, um, and you're not going to be... You're not going to be held down with this debt. I mean, it's sad that people don't. As a young adult, 18, 19 years old, you don't know these things about interest rates. You don't. You can't really fathom the fact that you're going to maybe be $100,000 in debt, um, and you just think it's, oh, no big deal. You know, Just be careful. I, I feel the same way. Uh, we were talking before this uh, podcast. I, I did one semester of grad school, a, a film MFA program in New York, in that one semester, uh, between tuition and books and uh, housing, I was about $50,000 in debt. And I was looking ahead at, at students coming out of this program about two years uh, farther along than me, coming out with about $300,000 of debt. And I said, this is a really brutal way of starting a film career. We're not you know, getting hired at a, at a fancy law firm or into a prestigious hospital because of the degrees that we're getting. We're just part of the, the pack, uh, every other you know, starving filmmaker trying to, to create a career. And uh, you know, being, being saddled with a, a mortgage-sized debt is a, is a really painful way of, of going about that. You can't file for bankruptcy on it either. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't. Uh, so for me, drop, dropping out was, was the right choice. Painful and scary and hard. But, uh, and, and it took me quite a while just to work off that $50,000 debt. Uh, but I can only imagine how much harder it is. Here's what's crazy about it. You can get a loan on something that's not guaranteed to make money, right? So like $300,000 in debt, there's no guarantee that piece of paper is going to make you money and you can get a loan for it. But you, no bank would ever give you a loan for you know financing $100,000 worth of gear to start your production company where there's actually a better chance of making money right there. But the, this piece of paper... Yeah, well, yeah, you'll be uh, several hundred thousand dollars in debt by the time you graduate, and then you'll figure it out then. It, it's so bad. Oh, you, what are your favorite YouTube channels? Where do you go uh, to learn and, and find inspiration when you're not working on your own stuff? As far as like people in the niche or just any YouTube channel? Primarily, yeah. Pr uh, actually, I'd love to hear any YouTube channel, but also anyone else teaching uh, visual effects or editing or who else is doing a great job teaching out there in your opinion? I try not to look at other YouTube content creators in the niche because I want to avoid making sure I don't copy them because there are times when within my videos when somehow it happens, people are like, oh, you took it from this person. I'm like, I didn't even look at their content, but because I produce, I produce two videos a week, it, there's bound to be some level of overlap. Some overlap. Uh, so I try to you know, avoid that. Uh, but at the end of the day, like there are some great teachers that I know of, right? So on YouTube, Ben Maria is the other one. Obviously, video co-pilot from back in the day, Andrew Kramer, uh, definitely the best. I think the best teacher in the niche of all time. Sadly, he, I guess he's more focused on his business and he doesn't create content anymore. Um, but you know, he, the one thing I see in this niche is that there are some great teachers here and here and there. So like one of my favorite from back in the day was Mount Mograph and he doesn't produce content anymore. And the sad reality of this niche, if you don't figure out how to build a business around it, you're probably not going to stay in it for a long time because YouTube ad revenue is not enough to sustain a life on. Um, so I see a lot of great people over time that are no longer creating content uh, because of that reality. Yeah, I mean, as a as a creative person, I think it's important to you know be focused on learning your craft, but at the same time, you also want to broaden your knowledge as well because um, when you're working with motion graphics, there's physics involved, uh, there's lighting involved, you know, there's other real world aspects. So it's good to maybe learn a little bit about science, read a book or whatever. Um, That's cool. And learn other topics so then you can implement it into your work. So like, 
I love physics, right? I mean, I don't know if I love physics, but I, I know, I think about it when I'm doing my motion graphics. Um, and that's not something I... Oh, that's cool. I don't know what your thoughts on the metaverse are, but as more and more visual effects artists are pulled into creating worlds or objects, uh, how are these skills that you're teaching going to translate to that future? There'll be a great opportunity for motion designers, for post-production people that create digital you know, services for the metaverse. Uh, I don't know where the metaverse is going to go in the first place, but because you know you can buy land and you can show off photos or NFTs or whatever uh, within whatever you're doing, uh, I thought there'd be amazing opportunities for people to create digital content uh, for whatever platform is going to be mainstream. You know, I don't know where it's going to go. I, I'm not into the whole digital crypto or metaverse type stuff. I don't invest in that stuff at all. Um, but I, I think that I'm just saying I'm not a professional at this. It's not my world, place of expertise. But if it does move forward and gains traction, I think for for motion designers uh, and for digital creators, it's going to be a, another great opportunity uh, to capitalize on that. So look into it if you're interested. I agree. Uh, final question. What What is something nice that someone has done to help you along in your career? I could say mentorship is probably the best thing anyone has done for me, right? So I've had several, I, I consider several people in my past to be my mentors. Um, and just being around them, having an opportunity to be around them uh, and learn from them is probably the best thing that I think anyone can get is being able to learn from somebody else who's doing what you want to do, right? Um, or who you look up to. Um, there's nothing more valuable uh, than that if you want to be successful. Uh, and, you know, anyone, anytime someone asks me a question or whatever, I'm always happy to uh, reply to that and give them the best advice that I have because I know sharing information is the best way uh, to build the best life possible or at least find the route to success. Who have been those mentors for you? Specifically people here locally in Ocala that ran production companies. Also one of my old college professors that really directed me towards a focus in cinematography. They have definitely shaped how I view things uh, and you know, at least been on the path to learning the skills that I use cool. today. What are you working on now? What can we look forward to? The only thing I'm doing is business as usual, more templates, writing a book on how to, you know, do business from a creative perspective. Uh, so I'm going to put that a part of our product line. I don't teach business on our YouTube channel, but in a book, is something I want to offer, uh, you know, externally as well uh, to help, you know, creative people be able to understand how to market themselves uh, and build a business. So that's really my main passion project that I'm doing on the side, but business as usual, creating more templates uh, and just trying to continue what, what we're doing because, you know, it's the path forward. You gotta be consistent and stick with it is what I believe. Awesome. In. That was great. Thank you, Joshua. Thank you so much, Nick.